Don't Call Me Girl Boss is about sharing women small business owners' real, unfiltered, and relatable business journeys in Texas and California. I am your host, Jessica Ray Buck, a small business owner myself. I interview amazing women who share exactly how they got to where they are today. I hope this encourages anyone listening to start a business or get better in the business they are in. Hello, and thank you for coming back to listen to a new episode of Don't Call Me Girl Boss. I am your host, Jessica, and I did take a little break from podcasting. Um, If you're a frequent listener, then you know that. I took a few weeks off, and if you listened to my last episode, you know I was just overwhelmed with what was going on in my business life and my mom life, and I just needed a break. And I wanted to talk about that briefly and just let you know that it's okay to take a break and it's okay to not give an explanation. You're allowed to do whatever you want to do. There is no business rule book. I mean, consistency is key. We all know that. It might have hurt me a little bit for my podcasting, but for my mental health, I needed it. And we need to put our mental health above all, especially as me being a mother Whatever I am doing in my business life, friendship life, whatever, I'm bringing home with me. So if I'm not the best version of myself in those aspects, I'm not going to be the best person that I could be for my son. And that is the most important thing. And so that break was, it needed to happen. And I'm so glad I did it because I'm excited again to be here and record and have you listen and share new women business stories and um, new business tips that I've learned. Something really cool did happen to me during this little break. And I had an Instagram post on Sunless Ray go viral. And I say like micro viral because, I mean, it wasn't like a million views. It was like a hundred thousand people saw the post And I actually screenshotted the analytics so I can share it with you real time. I did it right before I started recording. And so 15,991 people liked it. 37,362 people sent this post to each other. And 9,127 people saved it. And I used no hashtags. I just posted it. And I wanted to talk a little bit of why I think it went viral I think it was viral because it was about hot girl summer and that's a trending topic right now and it's an opinion. So if you are wanting a post to go viral, I think it's important to be current of what's going on in the world with pop culture. um, What's the popular thing people are saying right now and then throwing an opinion on it. And what I posted wasn't everyone's opinion. Like I did get some backlash. I'm not going to really talk about that, but um, there is a reason the comments are disabled it just got it just got taken out of context and um i chose to not respond to any negativity and just disable comments to stop people from doing it and if people commented or sorry dm'd me i just deleted it i got no i gave no response no fuel to the fire i just delete and move on but i also gained probably like 750 followers from this post and i've been doing social media on Sunless Ray for a long ass time. Like this is not an overnight thing. This is not like she got lucky and posted something like, no, like I've been actively posting on Sunless Ray since 2013. Like, and my account just recently hit 10K and that was super exciting. But that is also due to an influencer I worked with in Austin. Like her name is Kansas. She's on Instagram and she, I've never gained so much from an influencer than I have from her. It was literally insane. I gained 500 followers from her overnight. I hit 10K. I was like right at the cusp and she (laughs) got like 20 moose sales, like 10 bookings. It was just crazy. So finding your niche influencer is going to help your business. I don't give a shit what anyone else says. It does because I'm proof of that. And there's other people who will tell you, you need a contract, you need to do this, you need to do that. If you're not paying them, do not have a contract. If it's a free service, 
just get what they give. And you never know when it's going to explode, which is what happened with Kansas. And so I know my niche now with influencers. So that's what I'm going to hone in on of that type of influencer. But also going back a little bit to the viral post, I'm super excited. I had some people think that I bought my followers because I grew so fast because now I'm at 11K and that's pretty shitty because there's been a lot of moments where I'm like so close to 10K I can get the swipe up and I chose not to buy followers. And so for people to say that, it's kind of like, wow, you know? Like, I could have done that so long ago, and I chose not to for a reason. I'm really proud that I never did. And, um, yeah, I never did. You have a post go viral, and this is what can happen. And you work with an influencer who is your target audience. This is what can happen. I gained, like, 1,500 followers in the span of three weeks. And I haven't had that growth, that fast of a growth, in over six years. So I just want to remind everyone that this is not an overnight thing. This is not something I just started posting on yesterday. This is the long haul. I've been posting for a very long time, like I said, since 2013. So if you want an account with over 10K followers, you have to put in the time and you have to just hope something hits. And, you know, if you're doing it as much as you should be to grow an account, it's going to happen. Something else that's going on is I talked maybe like two episodes ago about bringing on business partners that is in full effect. We did our first huge order of Sunless Ray self-tanning mousse. So I am so excited for that huge order to come in. I want to drive to Dallas where they're at and I want to see all the mousse in the warehouse and just, cause it really doesn't feel real until I see it. <laughs> but, um, I'm super excited for that. We have new exfoliating mitts and new applicator mitts that are all branded for the box on Amazon. And then I'm going to be selling mousse by itself on Amazon and on the website. Super excited about that. It's been taking a while. So I'm just ready for that to start kicking off. And that kind of goes on to my next topic of like, so I've talked a little bit about going back and forth between opening a location and not opening a location in Austin. And I honestly think I'm going to put a pause on it, not because I can't do it, but because like, what can my life be without owning the location? Like what if my moose products take off and I don't have to deal with the stress of owning a location in Austin, Texas, I could just focus on California and my moose and other products that I want to get into. So I don't know. Like, like I said earlier, there is no rules with owning a business. You just go for it and go with the flow and try your hardest to make the best decisions. So right now, if the perfect property popped up that was built out to how I wanted it to be, I'd probably jump on it. But I'm not going to force something and I'm not going to pay for a build out right now. It's just not that high of a priority. I have a lot of home renovations that I want to do. So (laughs) I'm sick of my shitty bathroom. Um, But that's what's been going on with me. Braxton is in daycare two days a week, two half days. So I am able to record and not just be relying on his nap time, which is such a blessing. Like today, I wanted to record this intro during his nap time. He didn't nap. So it is 5.50 on a Monday night that I'm recording this. This episode's going to go live same day. So you're listening to this. I recorded this tonight if you're listening to this on a Monday. So this is just how life goes. And motherhood, I can tell you, he is two and a half and it is getting easier. He is able to play by himself. He's starting school, so, and his personality is just growing so much. He's just literally the best thing. So everything, I just feel rejuvenated and ready to share what's going on with my business life. And then also these amazing women that I'm interviewing. Like today, I have on a mom, and I thought that was a really good transition for my last episode. I kind of just left you off like I was overwhelmed and sad. Like I got a few messages like, Hey, are you okay? Or Hey, do you need a hug? (laughs) I was like, Oh shit. Um, so I'm okay. I'm doing good. And there are moments that I think it's important to be vulnerable and just share what's really going on. Like I'm not here to just make it all rainbows and butterflies. Like this being a mom by itself is hard. Being a mom and running a business is hard. And being a mom, running a household, 
keeping relationships, you know, I'm, you know, if you're listening to this and you're going through it, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. So it's okay to take breaks is the lesson of this podcast intro. Um, but like I said, I have on a mom, she's a life and style. She's a life and stylist. So she does personal styling in the Bay area in California. So she does like virtual, um, closet audits, which I thought was cool. So she'll be like, throw that away, keep that away. That's shitty. That has a stain. That's cool. And then she'll do personal shopping and those type of services. She just became a mom. Her kid's only a few months old. And so it was really nice to talk to her and just kind of talk about motherhood, owning a business, bouncing back after COVID, uh, what it all she does, how she does it. So I'm going to bring her on right now. And without further ado, here she is. So how are you doing today? Good. It has been so hot here that like I'm breaking my own rules of like Zoom and wearing like a super thin strap because like it never got colder than 78 in my house overnight. It's just so hot here. Where do you live? I live in Oakland, California. And it's that hot right now? Yeah, we're in like a heat wave. Um, and like over the past couple of years, it's just been getting hotter and hotter and more heat waves. Um, so yeah, we're just in the first one of the year and, um, because it's like the Bay area and it normally never gets this hot. No one has air conditioning. And so like everyone oh just like suffers in heat. So I'm from California. I grew up in Orange County and I have family in like Temecula and Palm Springs and they're saying it's like 120 right now. Yeah, I was in Palm Springs a couple of weeks ago and it was like averaged like 108 every day. And it's like, you can't even do anything. I went to like vacation and I wanted to go shopping. It's like, you go to one store and you're like, nope, that's it. I just need to like, go like sit in a pool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Texas is so been like hot. That. Yeah. yeah. Um, so where did you grow up? Did you grow up in California? No, I grew up in suburban Massachusetts um like southern near the Rhode Island border but I left when I was 17 and moved to New York City and then was there until I met my husband so 17 and moving to New York was that just like a rebel thing or were you like I'm gonna pursue my dreams a little bit of both (laughs) Uh, (laughs) definitely a little bit of both so I had been modeling off and on since I was 13 Um, And I graduated high school early and I was like, okay, I'm just going to like go to New York and be a model. Uh Bye. Um, Wow. So I did that. And then thankfully, I think I had a good head on my shoulders and I was like 19 and I was like, I'm not going to be young and pretty and skinny forever. So I'm going to go to school, which uh, I went to school for fashion merchandising at LAM College in New York City. And it um, had my business degree from there in business of fashion which has taken me to where I am today so what was it like being in New York and being 17 were your parents like trying to get you to come home or was it the best decision ever it was the best decision ever oh good um I didn't have the best relationship with my parents especially my mother so like growing up I get that yeah. So I was just like, peace out. Bye. I'll like <laughs> see you at Christmas for a couple of days. Um, but it was a lot of fun, but it's also like, if you're on your own there and like everyone always has fake IDs, but it's just like, when I look back on it, I'm like, oh my God, how were people letting that child into clubs? Well, you know, like- we're both mothers now. And so I think the perspective is different. Like I was watching a movie of like um, people in the army and I was like, my son will never be in the army. Like, there's just no way. And then I think about if I had a daughter moving to 17 to New York city, I would be like mortified. Like, there's no way you're going there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's just like, you just want to like protect them. Yeah, exactly. No was there to protect me, but that's okay. I I'm a strong, independent woman because of it. Yeah, you will grow up real fast, I feel like, when you do that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. So how did you go from modeling to choosing to go to that school? So I had always had an interest in fashion. 
Um, and I don't think it was until I was like late middle school, like eighth grade that I realized it was a career. Like growing up, I always wanted to be a veterinarian mm-hmm. and I loved animals. And then like, I was watching Lizzie McGuire and like drawing outfits. I think Lizzie McGuire should wear. Yeah. And like a guidance counselor was like, you know, you can like work in fashion. Right. And I was like, what? Um, so it was like always my dream. And when I was graduating high school, I was applying for fashion schools and I got in. Um, but my top school was um, FIDM, okay. F-I-D-M. They're based in LA in Orange County. And my parents, because I graduated at like 16, they were like, um, you can't move to California on your own. And oh they were like, that's too far. Like you don't even drive. And I was like, yeah, all right. So like, I was going to take a gap year. And that's when I was like, I'm just going to move to New York and do modeling. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I've always had an interest in fashion. And so like when I was like, okay, time to like start going to school. That was a fun, like little gap year. It was like, obviously I'm going to school for fashion. Um, and I think by that point, yeah, I had realized that fashion design was too cutthroat um because I'd been like working for so many designers and everything um and so that's why I went to business of fashion school and what does that mean business of fashion they teach you more like um like buying retail management corporate buying they also do corporate law there um so kind of like the back side of the fashion industry Um, There was a lot of classes on trend forecasting and textiles and everything you need to know to like work in a showroom or to work as a buyer or I don't know, magazines. We had to do like internships every year. And so like a lot of us would like intern at like a high fashion house or we would intern at a magazine thing, but it was more like less about design and more about like what you can do with your knowledge of fashion. And why did you decide to go to school before like um, just getting jobs and kind of working your way up? Because I had worked in retail and I was already like a year or two behind people that I knew going to school. And so I was just like, I'm ready to like go and like get my education on. Okay. And then you graduate. And then what were the next steps? Did you get a job right away? So because of the um, heavy focus on internships at my school, they're like very like hands-on, you're going to like learn in the field. I got a job before graduating. So I had interned for a company called Rulala, which is like an online flash sale website um, in their buying department and was given like a, a position with them. And how did and you so like it? I loved it. And that's kind of like when I fell in love with buying. Um, and it was super fun to just like, be like, okay, um, sorry, backtracking. I think it was super fun to see like all the backside of things. So Mm -hmm. we would get like reports of how our sales went and they'd be like, okay, these styles sold really well. These are the sizes that were selling really well. And then like to take that information and go to our next buy and be like, okay, so this is what people are buying. And like, you kind of start to get a feel for like who your customer is. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we have this many customers in this size. We have this many customers of this aesthetic and just like fine tuning all that stuff was super fun and analytical in like a cool creative way. Yeah. So did you learn a lot from that job and how long were you there? I did. Um, I think post-internship, I was only there for six months. Um, And then I moved on to Barney's for a bit. And then um, I think I was working there until I met my husband and moved to DC where I was a buyer for a consignment shop there. Okay. Um, So kind of wasn't buying for many years, which was really fun. The consignment shop was interesting because DC is a totally different market than New York. And the clothes were super different and doing consignment you have to like have this like eye for detail it's like we were looking at people's used clothes and like being like can we sell this what can we sell this for what's the retail of it and it was kind of just a fun experience to be working with like vintage and 
used clothes and like just like having that perspective of looking back on past collections mm-hmm. of clothes. And then, so you're working in all of these jobs and then how did you get to the point where you're like, okay, I need to start my own thing. That is an interesting question. (laughs) (laughs) So I was a buyer for this place in DC and I was there for maybe two years. Um, But because it was like a small business in like a smaller city, they wanted retail hours and kind of like everything that comes along with like a retail job, which was like no 401k, no health coverage, like Mm -hmm. Um, they guaranteed me a certain amount of hours, but it wasn't enough to like qualify for like all of the benefits. Yeah. Um, and so I think I was 26 and I was like, okay, I need like a real job. Like <laughs> I had a real job and now I don't, and I like need it again. So I took an entry-level job at a law firm. Oh, wow. Um, so different. I started... Yeah, I started as a secretary and then I was um, an immigration assistant and I was working there and I was like, oh my God, like I feel so non-creative. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, I'm just going to start my own company. Yeah. So was that like, I'm going to quit this job right now and go all in? Or is that like, I'm going to do a side hustle? Not at all. I was not ready to quit having all of those benefits. Mm -hmm. Um, I wasn't married at the time yet. It was kind of more like, I just need a creative outlet. Um, So I did that on the side until actually this year. So um, I was planning to leave my job in January of 2020. um, And I was like, my side business was doing great. My styling was doing great. um, And I was like, okay, I'm making enough money that I can quit. And then like rumors of this disease coming around and stopping everything. And I was like, hmm, maybe I'll just like keep my day job for a little bit and like see what happens. Yeah. Um, Thank goodness, right? (laughs) Oh my God. I don't know where I would be financially if I had left and then like everything stopped. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I actually had a baby uh, in the pandemic. Okay. Born in September. So he was, I was already pregnant when the pandemic hit and everything. Um, And then I went back to work in January and I like started working and it's all remote. And I was like, "Mm, I'm not liking this anymore. Did you put your, it's a son, right? Yeah. You put your son right in daycare then at that time? No. So my husband had paternity leave. Oh, okay. So I took my maternity leave and then he took his paternity leave. Oh. Um, so he had, so I went back to work in January and then he was off until April, no, May. Um, so he was off hanging out with our son, but it was still like, I was working from home and trying to work on the stuff that I was just like, not passionate about at all. Um, like just working for the law firm and just like being a mom and also having like my creative outlet. I was just like, there's too much going on. Something has to give. So I left my law firm job and have taken my styling business full time and it is going so well. It is so exciting. When did you know that you could take that leap? Or is it like, okay, COVID's starting to go away. Like I'll take the leap. Or was it like, I literally can't do this job anymore and take care of my son. I think it was COVID was starting to go away. I think people were seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. People were requesting virtual stylings and they were like, okay, like everyone's starting to get vaccinated. Okay. How do you do virtual styling? Just, we got to talk about that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So for virtual styling, we meet on Zoom. And we have like a one hour session where I go through images and get a feel for your style. I use the same images for my in-person consultations as well as the virtual ones. And I call it like a style assessment. Like the images are all over the place. Some are like super minimal and some are like super crazy. Some are super flirty and some are super like bold. Um, And I just like get to get a feel for my clients So it's not so much like them trying on clothes and like you telling them it's okay. That's what first comes to my mind. I'm like, how do you do that? No. Um, 
I will like have them step away from the camera. So I get a sense of their body. I write down their size and I'll have them tell me like their favorite pieces in their closet. Um, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. I know. Can you but hear me? I think. You, yeah. Sorry. I okay. think it froze. Okay. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so we'll go through their favorite items in their closet. So I get a sense of what makes them comfortable, what kind of items they wanna be matching with. Um, and then I will put together a virtual, a visual lookbook and send it over to them along with a bunch of shopping picks and some styling tips. Um, it includes like how to elevate jeans and a t-shirt, size guides, links to new items to add to their wardrobe and how like specifically to wear them. So. I know like my website has like offerings for wardrobe audits and like personal shopping and stuff, but I found that I can't do a good wardrobe audit virtually. I feel like I need to see the clothes in the right light. I need to like feel them. I need to check them for like the minute details of like a stain or pilling or like, you know, a run in a silk blouse or something. Wow. So There's it's mostly so just things. Yeah. <laughs> My clients call me like Hawkeye because I'll like take their closet and just be like, oh, there's so much stains on everything. There's a stain there. There's a stain there. There's a run there. And they're like, oh my God, my clothes all suck. Yeah. That's how I would feel like, God, you do not want to go to my closet. It's all like Target and like the little <laughs> lint balls all over. <laughs> there's tools that I provide in the pull-up lookbook that are like how to get rid of pilling. Mm -hmm. um, like those fabric shavers and like I always recommend like a steamer if you don't have one fashion tape all the goodies to like keep your clothes in their best condition so are your clients usually like professional like women professionals that are going and dressing up for their day jobs so I have a bunch of offerings on my website because I like to attract a lot of different clients and I want to be accessible so my clients range from like a stay-at-home mom who is just sick of wearing leggings and they like feel frumpy all the time to, yeah, executives at tech companies because I'm in the Bay Area to working professionals. I do men too. Um, anyone like a lot of my clients are usually going through like a big change. Like they had a baby and like they, their clothes don't fit or they don't like their clothes. Yeah. Um, or they started a new job or they like graduated grad school and they're like ready to take it up a notch um, or they're like newly single and they're like ready to, you know, <laughs> look nice for dates. Yeah, that's such a fun job and something that I've never really thought about. I've recently had to kind of reestablish my wardrobe because I'm the leggings. I'm like a mom now. So like, I'm not going to be, I need to be like able to bend down, like grab my son. So it's just different, but it's like, now I'm in like biker sh shorts and oversized shirts are like my thing right now, but you know, that'll it's probably so cute though. <laughs> it's cute and comfy and I'm not just wearing leggings and like, I don't know. It just feels like more put together. Mm -hmm. My go-to lately is I got this dress from target and I bought like matching bike shorts for underneath. Oh, okay. Like, I want to be cute, but I also want to like sit on the ground without beating anyone. That is very good. That's a really good idea. Cause like, yeah. then you have to worry about your legs touching. Like there's just so mm -hmm. many things. Mm -hmm. So when you first started, um, your job, your, your business, what were like the top three things that you did like right away that were non-negotiable? I am such a detail oriented person. I like created a brand kit and oh, wow. like, did my logo, my colors. I like just went all in on the branding. Okay. Um, the website, everything is just like to a T. If you see this color, please think of me. Um, and <laughs> yeah. it's orange. So I feel like anything orange now, my friends are always like, Ooh, shop the city. Yeah. Um, so it's got that like notoriety and like sticks with you. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing would be creating like a social media channel and trying to be consistent on it. Yeah. Working moms, we're not like the best at consistency, mm -hmm. um, but trying is good. And then 
I think just like saying yes to clients. Like if they were, you know, just if you're just starting out and you really want to like get your foot in the door and get your portfolio up and get reviews, like offer discounts until you're comfortable. Like have your set prices so that like you they're there, but then like offer discounts. Be like, hey, I'm just starting out. I'd really appreciate the work and you trusting me. Here's like 50% off. Yeah. What so when you were thinking about what you were going to charge, how did you get to the point that you were at now? Did you have that pricing or have you gone up? Yeah. So I started way lower because I wanted to be approachable. I wanted to be accessible and I was in a different and the cost of living was very different. So I started lower and then as my business grew and as like what the amount of work that I put into it grew. I was starting to upcharge and like raise my prices. And every time I did, I would send an email to all my clients and email subscribers being like, I appreciate all of your business. Uh, I'm upping my prices. I'd appreciate if you tell your friends about me. And if you feel like you don't want to pay that price, like just contact me. But everyone has been like, I'm so happy you're updating your prices because you are so worth it. And I feel like those emails are always like very validating. Yeah. I know pricing is such a hard thing and recognizing your worth that you deserve that much is something I've struggled with. And it's like, well, there's that one person's like, I'm not paying that. Are you crazy? And then it's the one, the other people who don't even blink. So it's just figuring out what your type of client you want and like where you're willing to invest your time and getting to a point in your business where you're like, I can turn down clients that want to negotiate with me. Like this is non-negotiable. This is my pricing. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I think a really good thing is to look at like do market research. Mm -hmm. So like on my computer, I'm always like checking out the competition. Yeah. Um, I'm on Thumbtack. So like there's a thing where like after you reply to a lead, it's like, check out how you rank against the competition. And I'm always like, what number am I? (laughs) Who's, Who's higher than me? Who's who's around me? Like, who is my current competition? And like, I check their prices. I check their website. I'm always like, what can I do to improve or like be like comparable, but also set myself apart? Yeah. I think looking at competition is super important. And I do think there's a difference between checking out your competition in a positive way and checking out them in a negative way. So comparing yourself. So if you have the right mindset where you're like, okay, I'm going to look at things that they are doing better than me and implement it versus like, who, who's their new client? You know, who's their new person they're working with? I think there's a very big difference. Yeah. And I think it's all about mindset. I'm like, my husband's so like jealous of me all the time. Cause I'm not a FOMO person. I'm like all over social media and like looking at people's vacations, like you go girl. Like <laughs> that's so awesome. Oh, I'm going to save that for when I get to go. And his mentality is like, oh my God, why am I not on a beach right now? Mm -hmm. And it's like, we can be on a beach at a later date. That's true. You have to like be okay with like, I don't know. It's it's the mindset, you know? Yeah. And it's hard to get there sometimes. It's, you know, like I was following my competition for a while on social media and I had to stop because I realized I would just kind of like look at it and not a positive way. It would just be in front of my face and I would look. And I realized I needed to do it on my time and be in the right mindset to look at my competition versus them just coming at me, if that makes sense, on like stories. Yeah, I don't, I feel like I don't follow my direct competition. (laughs) I feel like I follow like people that I'm like, like friendly with. And Uh I'm like, yeah, you go girl. But if it's someone that I'm like, this is what I aspire to be. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to check them out every once in a while, see how they're doing Mm -hmm. and not compare myself every day. And there's nothing wrong with that. That doesn't mean you don't respect their business or anything. That just means for me, this is the boundary I need to set because if not, I'll get stuck in my own head. Absolutely. So when, how did you, how did you get your very first client? Thumbtack. Okay. You keep talking about Thumbtack. Explain to me. I've only recently started using this like literally last week. So when you brought that up, I was like, that's so weird. Cause we're looking for someone to do our like construction on our home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, why I think I was doing market research on how people find wardrobe consultants. 
Mm-hmm. So I was like Googling like wardrobe consultant Bay Area. And it was like Thumbtack has the top 10 consultants in the Bay Area. And I was like, oh, okay, I will put my stuff up there. Um, and then like someone reached out to me. I think I had super low prices. It said I had like, I think I had reached out to like friends for reviews mm-hmm. um, just to like have them. I guess this is like my first like wardrobe consulting client because I had like personal shopping clients before. Does that okay. Count? Yeah. Does that well, count? I like the thumbtack story because I feel like it was really like a marketing way that you got them, not any word of mouth or anything like that. Okay. Back. Um, <laughs> so I had like friends I had like taken shopping, like leave reviews. And so it wasn't a verified thumbtack review, but I had like two reviews and I like think I, my price was like $50 an hour, just so cheap for like a wardrobe consultant. And this woman reached out and was like, Hey, I'm looking for someone to like, help me audit my closet and like find some new pieces. And I was like, great. And I like acted super professional and like my whole time, like going there, I was like, Oh my God, this is like my first actual wardrobe audit. Like I came like super prepared, but like, what am I missing? Um, and it went off so well. And now she's like an annual client that like I work with once a year. Um, oh, and awesome. she's like one of those people, like I think the first time I worked with her, it was like $300 and for like a six hour session. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, all right, we're gonna, we're not gonna go so long and it's gonna be more money. And she's like, oh my God, it's so worth it. Oh, good. So does Thumbtack take a portion of sales or how does that, or do you pay to be on them? So the way it works is you pay per lead. So like profile up there. And if someone's looking for say a wardrobe consultant, they're going to show like the top 10 wardrobe consultants in the area. And then like, they are able to pick and choose who they want to contact. And then if they contact you, there's like a they have their own algorithm of like how much it costs per lead. Um, and it has been rising over the past couple of years. Understandably, my, my prices have risen, their prices have risen. Mm-hmm. Um, but it generally has really good leads. And then there's also a page called opportunities. And so it's usually people who reached out to other people, okay. but you can still like reach out to them and be like, hey, this is my offering if you're interested. And if they respond to your, to you, then you get charged like the same lead price. So you're paying for leads, whether they convert or not. Yeah. Do you find that you're paying for leads more than you're paying for, for convert conversion? I've been doing the math lately and it's a decent ROI, but they also just emailed today that they're taking away this feature that like if a lead doesn't respond to like your offering within 48 hours they normally refund you because they're like they didn't check it like you don't have to pay for this and they're taking that away um and I feel like that's gonna be tough because I feel like I get like two to three clients a week who are just like put feelers out and then like forget about it and like never Mm -hmm. do anything so we'll see what happens but mostly it's a good ROI okay good yeah, it's really interesting. I, I should explore that more because I don't even know what all services can be on there. Is it any service provider? I think so. Um, like I've seen life coaches on there. I I mean, the reason I knew about it, I, I didn't know it was wardrobe consulting until I did that Google search, but I had been using it to like have people hang things in my house or oh, to like okay. find a last minute plumber or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was more like, what is it? Task rabbit. Yeah. Okay. But, I know task rabbit. Yeah. Yeah. But it has like more offerings. It has like professional services. You can get, I think I booked like a massage therapist on there once to like come to my house. Oh. Like there's so many options. I'm going to look into that. So what are some of the biggest struggles of running your business? Time management, <laughs> <laughs> especially as a new mom. <laughs> um, especially like just the past couple of months, business has been so busy and I'm technically, I was like a stay at home mom running my business. Mm -hmm. And I was taking like three to four client calls a week and then for virtual sessions. And then on the weekends, I would be busy both Saturday and Sunday, like the house doing wardrobe consults or personal shopping. 
and I had to hire a nanny and now I'm like okay if the nanny is here it is like focus mm-hmm. um and then I think taxes taxes yeah. is another struggle for me I think I just like don't understand taxes at all what do you do right now do you just hire someone yeah and I put away one fourth of every booking um in like a tax fund so that like when the tax van comes knocking it's like okay that's a really a lot of money. really smart and a really good point that you're saying very lightly that I think is a huge talking point for people who own businesses is to save for your taxes in advance versus just Ooh, I wonder what it's going to be this year. No idea. <laughs> yeah, that's too intimidating for me. Yeah, I feel so like that's I'm, a really good tip. I feel like if I see money, I'm like, ooh, I'm gonna like add some vintage pieces to make, like for photo shoots and stuff, because like yeah. that's a tax write off for me. I'm like, ooh, I'm gonna have that dress so I can use it for a photo shoot or something. But yeah, it's important to save. <laughs> Well, what I learned from COVID is one of the biggest takeaway is having a business savings account is so important. And I never had a business savings account before COVID ever. I was just like fly by the seat of my pants, whatever. But now I'm like, I won't let myself get below $5,000 in my business savings account. It's just like, you just have to like, what if rents do or something happens and now COVID it's just the world we live in. We have to be smarter because you never know what can happen. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I burned through from my business savings account, like down to pennies before business started like picking back up. So like- I was on unemployment and then I took got two PPP loans. So that's what saved my business. So mm-hmm. I thank God for both of those or else I don't think I would have been able to keep my salon because I have a physical location in California. And then I do mobiles out here in Austin, Texas. So there's no overhead here in Austin. So that was fine. But California, like Rent was due with the entire COVID experience. Oh <laughs> I guess gosh. we can call it the COVID experience. <laughs> I feel like I'm so grateful I don't have that kind of overhead, but I have like, you know, website fees. And mm-hmm. I think I was like marketing and still doing like virtual consults. And so like paying for leads on Thumbtack yeah. that like, um, I think I have other business services that eventually like I paused, I was like, um, I use Canva. Yeah, I use Canva. I, use it. Mm-hmm. I like paused my pro membership for a while because I was like, I'm not even using it. Mm-hmm. Um, and like a couple other marketing things. I was like, we're just going to pause them just to like, keep the website running. And I know that like I could have taken out a or like business loan, but I didn't feel like I needed it as much as other businesses. And so I was like, I'll just get by. Yeah, I get what you're saying, but I also feel like as a business owner, you have to be selfish and you have to, it's kind of like, to me, like a dog eat dog world a little bit. Like if the government's offering a way for you to get money and get it forgiven, like go for it. You know, that's my mentality. Cause when is this ever going to happen again? And it could, um, catapult your business a little bit further. So just, it's easy to say that now in hindsight though. Yeah. Maybe next time there's a global pandemic, I'll take it. Yes. (laughs) Hopefully there's not. Um, not. So what advice would you give to someone who wants to get into what you do? Um, I think having an understanding of textiles and like, just like finding the details. Mm -hmm. So like, even if you work in retail, just like checking the labels on like the clothes and like feeling everything and like paying attention to what the visual merchandisers are sending and what they're putting together. And then I think if you wanna get into styling, whether it's photo or like personal styling, you should either find a stylist that you can shadow or like just get together with friends, like find a photographer and like someone to model and like put stuff together and like see how the creativity flows and like just practice yeah and then so I would I want to talk about being a mother and owning a business and I know you so the reason we connected is because you messaged me after listening to my solo episode where a few friends checked on me after that and I didn't (laughs) realize I sounded so sad (laughs) I just wanted to give you a hug 
started and I was like in the same boat. It was like before my nanny started and I was like, I feel this so hard. Yeah. I was in a really hard spot. Cause I, so I had made plans for my schedule before my husband went back to work. And so I was still finishing up those plans while he had started his full-time job. So I don't think I realized how much I was putting on my plate and thank God, like I'm not in school anymore, but it was just a lot. Like I was doing school, my podcast, spray tanning. Um, it was just a lot. And then having my son full-time, like no, no help. And sometimes he wouldn't nap. Sometimes he would nap. So it was a lot and it was just overwhelming. So I took a break from the podcast and finished school and all of that. And you're my first person back on since my little (laughs) hiatus, because I just needed a break. I was so burnt out and I just really appreciated your message. I feel like those breaks are so important. Mm -hmm. It's just crazy. Like the pressure moms are under Mm -hmm. to like maintain everything. Yeah. Like my husband went back to work in May and it's like, like I said, like before the nanny, it was like me taking calls and like trying to work and watching the kid and like cleaning the house and like coordinating like everything Mm -hmm. so much. And you just like need a break sometimes. Yeah. It's just, you got a break. Yes. And then you have like this guilt, like, am I doing everything? Am I taking too much of time away for like working on my stuff? Yeah. And I feel like that. Sorry, I'm just letting my cat in. That's no, okay. I feel like that guilt is just so hard as a mom because like, you're like, okay, I have this small business baby that I've had since before I was a real mom. And now I have a baby that I love so much. And then you have like a husband baby who is like, yes. can we like have alone time? Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like, how do you balance it all without feeling like something is not getting as much attention as it needs? Yeah. Yeah. Being a mom is the weirdest, best thing in the world. It's just, I just don't know. It's like, you don't even know what to say. It's just like, you just look at another mom, like kind of how I'm looking at you. And it's just like, I get it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you don't even have to say anything <laughs> we all just need like a big group hug now that, yes like, I think like hugging doing is a good job <laughs> so how did you navigate finding a nanny and knowing that okay it was it is really time for me to get one and are you doing it full-time so my husband's the one who came up with the idea okay um, because he was just seeing me like exhausted and like trying to coordinate things nap time like you and I were supposed to record this a week ago yeah um and uh nap time did not coincide um and so he was just like I think your business is busy enough that we need to hire a nanny and let's start with Mm part-time that way like we see he was like how many hours do you need a week to like get through like all of the like admin part um which is, you know, anything from like coordinating schedules to doing the follow-up lookbooks that I do for all my clients mm-hmm. to like anything admin And I was like, okay, I probably need like 15 to 20 hours a week. And he was like, great, let's get a part-time nanny. She can come four hours a day, three times a week and let's start there. Um, and so far it's like going really well um like yesterday she was here I like got caught up I was no longer late on things so I'm like okay it's it's the first week and I've like gotten to the point where I'm like on top of things Mm -hmm. I just like need to keep the momentum going and like get the rest of the things done and just like stay on top of it and maybe if I continue to like get a little more ahead of myself I can like devote a little more time to like cleaning the house yeah it's weird because my son just started daycare this is his second week and he's handling um, it it's so this morning he woke up with a cough he's had a cough actually but he woke up with it worse and it was the whole okay does he still go to daycare because he has a cough but he doesn't have any other symptoms and then um I decided just to take him I told the daycare when I dropped him off like no he's fine as long as he doesn't have a fever or a stuffy nose but 
I struggled a little bit because it's like, am I a bad mom? Cause it's like, okay, I, I knew I had stuff to do today. I had the podcast with you. Like I, if he had stayed home, like I would have had to move you. It would have been like a whole, it would have just been like a cluster of just like chaos. And so it goes to like, am I selfish for doing that? Am I a bad mom? So it's just like constant, like thoughts of that are like, are you doing the right thing or are you being selfish? Is it okay to work out when you have just a small amount of time? Should I only be working and I literally can't do anything else? Yeah. I feel like working out is one of those things that I just gave up on. (laughs) Yeah. So it's just balancing it and figuring out and realizing that it's also okay to just have time to relax. And that's something I'm not good at. I feel like my husband's upstairs working. He's sacrificing his time to work. Like if I have time, like I need to be working and contributing to like, if he came downstairs and I was just watching TV, I would feel like the worst person ever. Yeah. I feel that guilt all the time. It's like, there's so much to do. And like, if I'm not constantly moving, it's like, I'm just like lazy. Yeah. It's the weirdest thing. And it's like, you, we, I know it's a terrible way to think. It's just something that I'm going through and still dealing with of like how to be okay with it. And then also thinking about, you know, my son just started school, but it's only more school from here. Like it's not going to be less ever. Mm-hmm. So like, that's a weird concept to think about too, that it's like, oh my gosh, like it's official. Like he's in school and it's going to be more school for like 18 years until he decides whatever he wants to do. Yeah. Which means more time for you, which means maybe more relaxing. And also less time with him is the way I look at it. <laughs> that's true. I know. I think that's like, I'm very grateful that like when the nanny's here, I'm also here. So like yeah. if he's just having a bad day, I can be like, I'm just going to go give him a little snuggle. Mm-hmm. So, and how did you find her? Would you just put an ad out or thumbtack? <laughs> <laughs> I think thumbtack was sitting. I don't, I never looked. We used Urban Sitter. Okay. Yeah. And so I found her on there and yeah, so far she's great. Super patient with him. How old is your son? He's nine months. Oh, when my son was nine months, we had just moved from California to Texas. He was nine months old when we moved here. Oh my God. What was it like moving with a baby? Looking back, we were like, how the heck did we do that? Like that is literally (laughs) insane. But when we were going through it, he was like, kids are so much better than adults. I feel like, like I freak out more for them versus like how they're really going to be. Like he was perfect. He didn't even care. You know, he just wants to be with his mom and dad and it doesn't really matter where. Mm-hmm. So it was great. We moved into a house that needed a bunch of construction. So we immediately remodeled our kitchen. So it was really difficult. And then we went right into COVID three months into moving here. So it was really, really hard. And it's just like, I feel like we're both now just like catching our breath from all the chaos and like being stressed about money because it was just so unpredictable. And my husband, he wasn't working the entire COVID time. So he was on unemployment. I was on unemployment and it was just, it was really hard. It was such a stressful time for so many people. Yes. And now it's weird because business is doing so well that it's just like, it makes last year feel like it never happened. That's (laughs) so good though. It is so good, but it's also like, wait, did 2020 happen? I don't think it did. Any time someone asks my age, I am still the age that I was then. Right. None of us aged <laughs> that year. <laughs> yeah. Look um, at my, my face. I know, right? Just until otherwise. Um, so how did you build your personal Instagram? I saw that you have a pretty good following there as well. So I started a blog in like 2012 okay. because I was in school for fashion and one of my English class. English professors was like, you're a really good writer. Um, maybe you could look into like fashion journalism. And it was like right when blogs were like starting to become a thing. Yeah. And I was like, well, why don't I start a blog and like see how that goes? Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like a blogger in New York City going to like fashion week. And because I was like working fashion shows, I like had behind the scenes footage. But I don't think I ever like took it seriously. So like I didn't like monetize or like get anything like that but 
I think I just grew my following by like posting my outfits and like what I was doing. Yeah. Do you find that you bring business from your personal to your business account? Not usually. I feel oh, really? like I use, yeah, I feel like the people who follow my personal account are like following for like my more out there style, whereas mm-hmm. like my styling clients want something that's like more approachable. And like, I feel like a lot of people who look for a personal stylist get intimidated by like more out there styles. Mm-hmm. So like, I think my personal is just too much for them. <laughs> Do you plan on having that transition a little bit more so you can bring clients from both ends? Or do you I like it so. as is? I mean, I definitely like share my shop the city stuff. And I'm like, hey, give me a follow if you want like a style style advice or something. But I think I like the separation. And I feel like I like that my personal is like I'm sharing my personal life and mm-hmm. like being candid and like I feel like the engagement is different. Yeah. Yeah, I've transitioned my business page. I used to share like my son here and there, just like little tidbits of my life to being completely just all branded business page and then building up my personal. So it's completely separated. Yeah. And I think that's good because I think that like, I don't know, I feel like it's a very old school thought. Um, because I know like any social media person will be like, you need to be authentic and like show up for your business. And I'm like, I don't think they want the authentic me. (laughs) Well, I think, okay, it's linked in my bio created by, you know, my name. If they want to, you know, really scope who the owner is, it's very accessible, super easy, one click to go to my personal profile. So I feel like if they want to go there, it's super easy to do. Yeah, I do the same thing. Um, yeah, but I think I like the, having the more professional one that is like, I am a serious business owner. Yeah. And completely branded, you know, like, I don't want to like, look at me right now. Like I'm, what am I supposed to do? Take a story on my business page? Like, Hey guys, <laughs> buy my Zeltan mousse. Like, you know, you know, <laughs> I'm not a salesy person like that. No, I, I like creating Canva graphics and having that do it for me. And then I'll like try on mood like I sell a self-tan mousse so like applying the self-tan mousse to myself I'll probably do that sometime this weekend or you like trying on an outfit or like I just purchased this for so-and-so would be appropriate but not like hey this is me me doing shots yeah (laughs) exactly um what would you say your number one social media tip is probably like on a personal level or no, for business and personal, you want to be authentic and approach it. Yeah. Um, so like stay true to yourself. Be, you know, open about the things that matter to you. Um, like even on my business one, I like to be like, this is my personal style. This is how I would wear it. And this is like how other people would wear it. Mm-hmm. And then on my personal, I'm like, all right, this is what I'm doing. If you want other ideas. Yeah. No, I like that idea and that advice. Um, Where do you see your business a few years from now? So I have a lot of bigger styling projects coming up. So I'm hoping to have a good mix of like editorial, video, and personal styling clients. I just like want to continue working with clothes every day. Have you worked with like influencers or reached out and been like, Hey, I'll style you for free. If you share me on your social or anything like that. I have. And they, I feel like if they're a style influencer, they like maybe get offended. (laughs) (laughs) That's really true. I think I reach out to some when they're like moving. Mm-hmm. like when they announce a big move I'm like hey like I'll help you audit your wardrobe before you leave or something oh that's a and good way to like, do it yeah but so far it hasn't really worked and I'm not that bothered by it I'm pretty busy just like with work on my own but I think like for the partnership and just like I think it's finding the right influencer so I wouldn't go after a stylist I'd go after a mom influencer honestly that is good. I did go, I did work with a mom influencer two weeks ago. Um, it was so much fun. 
Yeah, I feel like lied. it has worked. <laughs> I feel like mom influencers are where it's at. And also like they're the ones that wouldn't say no to that. Like if someone was like, hey, you want a free um, wardrobe? I'd have like, uh, yeah, come over right now. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas, yeah, if someone's posting their styles and like all that, yeah, they'll probably be offended and like, well, actually, that's what I do. Okay. Let's just edit this and say that like, yeah, <laughs> I did work with a mom influencer that I forgot about. Um, and how did that work? Did you reach out to her? Uh, she reached out to me. Oh, good. Um, and she was like, Hey, I'm planning a trip to Philly. We live in the same area. And she was like, could we like do a collaboration? And I want to like, have you pick out my outfits and help me pack. And then I'll do like a reels of like all the outfits we put together. Um, and then she like keeps tagging me in all the outfits I helped style on her little trip. How fun. Yeah. See, I think that's so natural and organic and like a great partnership. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely would love to do more of that. And it's just like finding the balance of like time. And I know because you can't, you can't just work for free. That's the problem I have here in um, Texas. I've reached out to so many influencers and stuff like that, but now it's like, you have to kind of start thinking like, okay, what is the ROI on this one? Like you kind of have to start looking at them that way versus when you first start out, you're like, Ooh, I just want anyone with a following to get my name out there. So that's like something that I'm going through right now because, and I hate doing it. Like, I wish I could just do it for free. And cause I don't like the conflict of it, but I mean, I only have so many spots open a week as yeah, do you. Exactly. Yeah. There's only so many hours in a day and a week. I feel like maybe it's like a goal to like have a couple tiers of like, if you have this following, we can work for free. If you have this following, it's like Mm -hmm. 50% off um, and just like tier it that way. So that like, you can still be possible. There's nothing against like micro influencers or macro influencers or something. Cause I feel like they have such an engaged following that you wouldn't want to discredit that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I prefer micro. Except I did spray tan an uh, influencer a couple weeks ago who had 90,000. And I swear to God, I gained 500 followers from her tagging me. Like I've never worked with an influencer like that in my life. And that's why I always say that she was a mom influencer. That's why I'm like mom influencers are where it's at because I just think they have a more engaged following because as moms, we have more downtime on our phone. Like our kids playing, we're on our phone we're watching Coco Melon. We're on our phone. You know? <laughs> I'm going to send you uh, an influencer. She's in the travel sphere in Austin. But I oh, really? Like What's her name? Wait, Amanda. Oh, I know Amanda. I think you do. I How think do you, she was on I your actually, podcast. Yeah, I actually saw that. Um, both of you guys follow each other. How do you know each other? We lived in DC at the same time and that's where she had her clothing company. Oh my gosh. That's such a small world. I didn't even, I saw that you guys were following each other, but I was, I was going to ask you, so I'm glad you brought it up. That's so funny. Yeah. So like we like used to, we like hang out in the same circle and did like all these like blogger influencer fashion happy hours. And yeah, that's so fun. I really like Amanda. So that's awesome. Yeah. She's so sweet. And I'm so happy. She's like found her calling. I know it was so crazy because when I first met her she wasn't an influencer I just was she I think just asked me to spray tan her as like a normal client and then she just blew up during COVID and she just really found her niche and like how to talk to people and it's it's so impressive I know she's like one of those people that I'm like "Mm, I should be doing stuff like that I know right it's like wait what's Amanda (laughs) doing I should probably do that too (laughs) she's like found her voice like you said yeah a thousand percent and so it's really exciting to see her growth she I swear one day she'll be on like a tv show or something she's just got that like newscaster voice too that's just like she'll do something yes you're like okay you have my full attention (laughs) yeah and if you're listening we're talking about exploring Amanda on Instagram (laughs) and she's on TikTok I think she has like 300,000 followers on TikTok or something now something crazy crazy I feel like she just like blew up she did Um, and it's I'm so excited for her (laughs) I know I'm excited to see what she keeps doing but um I really appreciate you coming on and spending your valuable time with me as moms 
time is the most precious thing. So I really do appreciate it. And you sharing your story and I learned something and hopefully we'll become better at balancing work and being mothers. (laughs) And if you ever need advice, you could always reach out to me. I'm not very good at advice on this topic, but we can vent together. (laughs) You, you already, you're like a year ahead of me. So you're like, you've got more knowledge than me. I don't feel like it, but thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I'll just like message you when teething happens again. And I'm like, it's all over. Everything sucks. Yeah. Well, sleep regression is a thing, by the way. Yeah. That's the worst. Definitely the worst thing. So that's the fun part. I don't think he has another one for a while, I hope. (laughs) You're like Googling it. When's the next sleep regression? I think it was like 18 months. I think, I think you have a while. Oh, phew. Okay. I don't remember exactly, but I think it was something like that. Cool. Alrighty. Well, thank you so much and enjoy your weekend. Thank you again for choosing to listen to another episode of Don't Call Me Girl Boss. I would sincerely appreciate it if you left me a review on Apple Podcasts, subscribe on Spotify as well. And as always, you can find the guests that I just recorded with on our Instagram linked at don't call me girl boss on Instagram. Thanks again.